I'm starting this episode off a little different. In this episode, David delivers a masterclass on product management, a detailed step-by-step look at product management, the best way to break in, and useful resources to help break into the role. Unfortunately, there were some technical difficulties in the recording process, and the sound quality isn't perfect throughout the entirety of the episode. I debated whether to still post it, because the goal is to always put out quality not only in the message delivered, but also on the audio front. This episode is not perfect throughout, and doesn't meet the audio standards we've set as a team. We got several outside perspectives, and ultimately no one was able to restore the recording. However, we feel so confident that the information in this episode will greatly benefit everyone looking to break into product management or currently interviewing for the role. We ultimately decided it was best to post it anyway, and make sure that this never happens again in the future. Hi, and welcome to Career Illustrated. I'm your host, Jonathan Tanner. Each week, we explore fulfilling careers by inviting industry professionals to share their personal insights and experiences. This show is for you if you're looking to make a career change, just getting started in your career, or curious about different roles and industries that are helping to shape our world on a daily basis. So join us in discovering new opportunities and learning more about the inner workings of the world. Today's guest is David Wang. David is a senior product manager working at Adobe Creative Cloud, where he's based in San Jose, California. Prior to Adobe, David worked on the product and corporate strategy teams for some of the most iconic names in tech, such as TikTok and Netflix. Proceeding his time in tech, he spent two years as a management consultant with Carney and their strategic operations practice. In this episode, David thoroughly details the ins and outs of the product management role. We also discuss David's personal career philosophy and some tips for those looking to break into product management. So, David, it's a pleasure to be talking to you um, and just getting right into it to kick off. Tell me a little bit about your career path leading up to Adobe Creative Cloud and anything you you think would be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much. So, yeah, I think uh, when I think about like my career um, over the past uh, few years, it's definitely, you know, been an interesting finding path. But I think we should, maybe I'll take you back to like the beginning. Uh, so I did my undergrad at Georgia Tech and I majored in industrial engineering. You know, it was really during that time that it was really formative period for me in terms of really discovering that I had a immense passion for using technology to solve everyday problems. And I'll tell you why. So essentially, uh, you, know, you know, Georgia Tech has... Uh, many a different, um, or I would actually say like the Atlanta ecosystem of school, Emory, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, um, and more, they all have, um, you know, all these different you know, hackathon events, business thought events and whatnot. You know, me and a, me and a couple of buddies, we would always you know, sort of participate in those. And then in turn out one, we actually got second place. So it was at, a, at this one, I think close by Emory called Hack and Up. We had, we had, uh, created this, this app called Nablet, um, that essentially was, uh, if you're familiar with like Airbnb experiences today, it was essentially that before Airbnb experiences became a thing. Um, and we, had, we created this app where, you know, if you were targeting a college students, if you were, you know, uh, let's say a college student who was going to be interning in a state that, or a location where you had no idea, you know, what that place is about, you want to buy out or more, make friends we would connect you or you would be able to connect and match up with other college students in that location who can, you know, guide you and, and, um, 
we had a whole like cool interface where you could map out on Terry. But long story short, um, you know, we essentially created a small startup out of that coming into that hackathon. And throughout that whole experience, I recognized that I had, you know, a lot of passion for technology, but also a lot of passion for solving business problems. Because, you know, my role in that case was sort of like a general manager, like dabbled a little bit in their product marketing and and sort of like general business operations. So it was really interesting and formative time for me because from then on, I had like sort of a choice. It was like, wait, do I double down into the product and technology side of it? Maybe even, you know, try to become a software engineer. Do I kind of double down on the business side of it? I ultimately decided that I was going to take the business route first. Because when we talk about like my career path, you know, I would say like the first few years of my career have been focused really on developing my business and analytical skills. And then now I call it like the current era, quote unquote, it's really developed, focused on developing the product and technology. So I, you know, maybe I, I want to set up that first because I want folks to understand that you know, the way I look at my career is it's not like one set thing. It's more my own rotational program, if you will. And that all really started during my formative period when, when I was doing a lot of reflection on what I want to become during undergrad. So kind of following my time at an in undergraduate tech, I was like, okay, I want to do work business thing. And at that time, I really didn't know much about the world of management consulting or the world of corporate strategy. I really didn't know much. I started hearing from a couple of buddies of mine, oh, hey, you know, management consulting is like the route to go if you want to like learn business because essentially you're the special forces of, of the business world. You're dropped into these you know, situations with upper management and these Fortune 500 companies. You're asked to solve their problems. So I said, oh, that, that's great. If I, I mean, I'll definitely learn a lot and get better from that. And so... Long story short, there is uh, just dove into you know management consulting careers and and uh, networking and prep and was super fortunate enough to land a, a job at a firm called AT Carney. I think it's called Carney now. Uh, super fortunate lander right out of the undergrad, and uh, I was there for about I think like two years and like almost three years, right? Two years and like ten months, eleven months, something like that. And then, and then after that, I, uh, you know, and we could talk about this more after that, I then transitioned to a career in tech in the, in the tech industry. So I went over the Netflix and then TikTok, and then now I'm at, at a Adobe Creative Pod. One thing I did want to ask about was this idea of your personal rotational program. Can you expand on that and where it came from? The ultimate underpinning of this concept is, again, goes back to like, that period of time in college went out when me and a couple of buddies were running our own you know, start, startup, small startup. And, uh, you know, ultimately failed at the, at the you, know, you know, right as we were graduating, I sort of, you know, I did a lot of self-reflection. And, you know, the question I asked myself is, you know, what, what do I need to do in order to be like a really solid operator and effective, solid as an effective, efficient operator? And especially in like the, the tech space, right? Because that was what I was passionate about. And from that, I realized like you, you really need to be well-rounded, right? You need to be very good strategic thinker. You need to be very analytically. You need to be uh, 
have really have a strong vision for whatever you're building and your ability to persuade people and inspire people to come along with you and build it and build it well, you need to be able to be, uh, you know, obviously really strong at communicating that to your customers. So all these things, right. You need to be, uh, yeah. So all these things I was thinking about that, I'm like, well, you know, there's not, there's not really one job that'll give you all that. Unless you're, you're, you're literally like the CEO of a company, which now it's like, you know, that's not, that's going to happen anytime soon. So I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Like maybe like the career path isn't so linear. Maybe it's not, I go in one industry, go to one, you know, function and that's, that's it. And I make, make my way up. I was like, maybe it's like, it's a weaving path, right? Like it's like you, maybe I do management consulting and maybe I do then like some other function and then that's like sort of related but like builds on my skill and you know at least horizontally and i just kind of keep going um until like at some you know at some point when the opportunity arises i, I could be an entrepreneur or i can like take on some another you know something where it requires a lot of breadth and, and depth so that's sort of like my, my idea is like it's not necessarily like I, well, I one day i you know i want to be an entrepreneur actually i encourage everybody who wants to be an entrepreneur just just to do it and not not wait for like the right skill because you never know um i actually just I'm, i just it goes back to the question like how can be a really effective operator and i i think the rotational model it's the way it's what i think about how to approach that so i love the concept and while we we're talking offline um i was telling you a bit about how things aren't linear or I don't think things are linear and people should have the optionality to jump from one career to the other without friction. Um, I, I am curious too. The last question on this is, um, do you have an end goal in mind? I think my ultimate goal is to work on something, read something that delivers meaningful change and impact to society in some way in a space that I love and I'm super passionate about. That's my ultimate goal. And I think to be able to achieve that personally, you know, I have to be uh, an effective operator and leader. And um, you could do that in a variety of ways. You could start a business to to do that. You could land a role at Orchard 500 that's super influential and that has the resources to, to make that change. That I haven't figured out yet. And so that's something I, I keep thinking about every day. But, but I do know for sure that in order to, you know, maximize my chances of, of doing that, I have to constantly be improving. And I think doing so in a way where it's like a, being self-rounded. If you've never been a product manager, it's really tough to break into that role. And you went from consulting or management consulting to product at TikTok. And could you explain a bit of how you were able to navigate that and what some of the challenges were? Yeah. So during like my time at Carney, Carney is really known for, for like strategic operations services. So things like, um, strategic sourcing, um, logistics and supply chain network optimization, um, you know, anything to do with, you know, reducing costs, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's pretty much what my focus was at the, at the, at the company and uh, in, you know, oftentimes in industries not related to, to technology or anything I'm doing uh, right now. And so it was actually quite challenging, uh, when I was, you know, when I was thinking, when I was starting to think about my next steps, like Arnie, it was really, I knew it was going to be really challenging to enter pro the product world, let alone the tech world. 
So even at that time, I, I wasn't really thinking that much about product management at all. Actually, I was really just thinking like, no, I know I'm really passionate about tech and I want to learn more about that sector. I want to learn more about the different ways companies operate. And so my goal at the time when I was at Carney was really like, how can I find a way to a, to big tech, for example. And so, because, and I, and I said that specifically with big tech, because I wanted to really learn how these you know, really successful, large tech companies operate. I didn't necessarily want to dive into a startup yet without having that context. So, you know, that itself is challenging when you think about it, because you're, you're like, okay, well, I've only done, you know, projects around sourcing, logistics and supply chain optimization. Like, how do I take that and go to like, let's say, um, you know, a Google and and say you want to hire me to to do like you know strategy or product management for uh, one of your business line. It's a very if you think about it, it's 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 not easy. <laughs> so when I think about how I did that and some of the threads I pulled to make the switch, I think a couple of things. So like number one is I focused on roles that weren't like a major like leap or or when I say leap, like functional leap, right? Like I, I was targeting business operations or corporate strategy roles. So coming from Android consulting, that's not like, a, you know, on, on paper, that's not like a, you generally like a great difference in function. You're basically just transitioning to your, your equivalent in the industry. So I focused on that and I said, okay, but I want that to be in the technology vertical. And so a couple of things that I did. So number one, just got really, started to just try to get really smart on tech. So, you know, reading articles like Stratectory and whatever I could find from in terms of like blogs and whatnot. I, I didn't know much at the time, so I just Googled what I could and started you know, subscribing to, to different stuff. And then second thing I did is just start to look at all of our experiences of Pat up until this point and how I could frame them as overall being a, a strong contributor who has a broad range of skills, you know, even though he doesn't have uh, industry experience, I know he can be like effective. Um, and then thirdly, I over-indexed a lot on my analytical abilities. So like, you know, during Carney, I was really fortunate, you know, having, you know, anyone who's worked on these, you know, sourcing or supply chain projects knows that they are very, very numbers intensive. They, they come in throughout the whole process, you know, right? And so you have to be, you have to be quite good at that aspect. And you really get time to develop your analytical skills to fire, I would say. And so I over-index on that. And then lastly, I showcased my passion. So for example, if I was interviewing, let's say at YouTube, I would, one of the last things I would do is showcase my um, passion around like how I have a YouTube channel with X amount of subscribers because I make music and I, that's my best book. You know, I've been posting it for like 10 plus years on YouTube or if I was on Netflix, you know, I would, you know, showcase my passion about the streaming space and, and genuine passion, right? Because I would, I'm, I would basically be only applying to places that I would, I would be really happy and excited to go to work. So like that wasn't a hard thing to do. So that was kind of like my, my strategy and obviously like leveraging networks wherever you can. Like, I think I was really fortunate to have some folks who are uh, ex-party work in some of these companies that I could reach out to and whether maybe it wasn't like, you know, to help me get the interview necessarily, but to like 
understand the company a little bit more or understand the overview process a little bit more. In some cases, it did definitely help me get a review. But those those are some of the things uh, I thought about and kind of like my approach when it came to transitioning out of consulting. That, and I mean, at the end of that, I was able to land, really fortunate to land a role at Netflix in their corporate strategy group. And from there, what what were some of the skills that you were able to acquire to then show TikTok that you were a product person or just by being in tech, that, that make the transition a bit easier as well? Definitely there's like value to just now establishing a foothold in, in the tech space by joining one of these big companies, right? And, and Netflix has a really great talent brand behind it. Like when you think of, when I think of Netflix, I... I really think of the high quality, high bar, and if you like read up on any of like the culture memo or you know or any other like the no rules rules book, then you'll know like you know Netflix is definitely a, a very special place and one that people you know keep everyone there is pretty much a, a very high performer, and so that definitely helped me when I started to like now try to look for new roles outside of. Outside of Netflix, yes. but in terms of skills that I built, I think there were there are many things, great skills there. So I think the number one is like I really got a grasp on how uh, a really effective tech company, specifically in the streaming space, but I you know decently got a grasp of how you know they operate, how teams are structured, what those teams do, how it's different from you know, clients I've seen um, you know during my time in consulting and. You know all these sorts of things, and um, that was that was really helpful. Number two, it helped me sharpen my strategic thinking and analytical capability in a new lens. Right, like up until this point, all that had I've been, you know, you know, sort of like that that sort of uh, weapon of mine has been had to sharpen in in a different space, different industry. But now it was like really focused and pulled in on gaining context around technology and streaming and so that was, that was really helpful to like improve my analytical analytical and keep thinking my skills in a in a new light um which helped me gain more context um i think thirdly it was helpful in that like my my role was was pretty like fluid in that i had a set of core responsibilities at uh, while i was there but i had a lot of freedom to kind of do projects, come up with project ideas and uh, pitch them to my manager and actually do them that I, you know, and th- that really helped me develop, develop skills that could then I mean, take, take me forward and into like the world of product. So the one example is like, you know, I have like these analytical skills and I have technical skills, right? Like I know how to program and, you know, build I wouldn't say like really large applications or anything like that, but for relatively small applications for like business functions. And so I pitched a project where, um, you know, I was essentially, you know, build this small app uh, for, you know, the, you know, the corporate strategy team and uh, also like our finance partners, accounting partners um, that would really like, you know, sort of like internally help us improve efficiencies and in, in like kind of the stuff we're doing in terms of the, um, analytical work, analysis, pulling like information, and so that you know, I, I ended up doing that project, and it, it actually was you know really great success, um, and it like kicked off uh, you know, 
a, a line of uh, internal products that uh, you know the different departments would use. And I think that was really important for me because that helped me realize that you know I really do like building things that help people, uh, whether even though it's like was just like an internal thing. And I was more passionate about that than like pretty much anything else that I was doing. So that helped, that not only helped me like sort of like have something to put on my resume and like say, you know, I sort of did product stuff, but so there's something there, but it also like validated that like, again, like, you know, um, it gave me a feeling that I had really felt since, since college, uh, which then reignited my passion you know, to, to start thinking about next steps. So I think, I think, um, those are just some of the things I, I got from Netflix and, uh, that helped. And then when TikTok came around, that was sort of an interesting time. So I joined TikTok in sort of like, like mid, uh, 2021. And, um, you know, around that time, things were a little shaky, uh, in terms of like, you know, all the political environment, like no one, had, you didn't know if like TikTok was going to still be allowed in the States and, and all that stuff. So, you know, before joining TikTok, uh, TikTok, you know, I, I knew, you know, that was an option for me. And, um, but I, you know, I was also sitting there like, yeah, will I, will I still have a job when I join? Um, but I, I ended up taking the risk and, you know, all those things I sent earlier, you know, I, I leveraged them you know, to the full extent when I was interviewing with TikTok and, uh, it really, you know, it, it, it turned out well, uh, for me. Not love that. Um. I am curious. Let's say Netflix didn't work out. Let's uh, hypothetically, you have any advice for consultants who want to get into PM or product management right away, and they look to skip your Netflix journey? It, any advice now that you're a senior senior product manager? Um, what any advice you would offer to them? Yeah. So, I think the key will be to. I think number one, showcase any like related experience that you, that you have. So, you know, for example, like when I think of management consultants, I would probably over index on showcasing like, you know, problem solving and analytical skills, because when you are, you know, just like baseline, even as an analyst, you, you know, that's your core skill. It's like identify problems, analyze the data and develop recommendations, build a command, and then have that drive impact, meaningful impact. So I would over-index on that um, because pretty much you, you replace uh, the client with the user, there you, you have product management. So, and then instead of recommend, you're prioritizing the solutions. So it's, it's, it's sort of related and I, I, would power, I would optimize the way you showcase that to be for industries in related industries if possible. And if you're just starting out on your management consulting journey, you're already thinking about product management, then that means try to get um, related industry experience, but it's still fine. If you don't have that, you can just kind of showcase that generally you have that skill. So I, I would do that is to showcase that. Second thing I would do is showcase anything you have, have done around strategy setting or development. Gen generally your ability to identify like the big picture and macro trends and have that, you know, be taken into consideration when you're developing like a plan or a strategy because that's also very critical, especially for like a more senior product manager role, you are sort of setting the product vision and then strategy. So you're defining the, the overall direction and creating a long-term plan to achieve like business objectives that are tied to your product. 
So if you can showcase something similar that you've done, that will be really, really helpful. I think thirdly, um, just sort of like execution experience, specifically like things like product management, you know, stakeholder management, you know, really like showcasing that you're able to dig into the details as well. So, you know, it's important to show like projects where you've had to, you know, lead it from lead the execution as well as this strategy piece, right. Or the assessment piece, like you've led it from start to finish. You, you kind of heard it, the cats along with you and you've delivered this beautiful impact at the end. So I would showcase like, you know, your execution ability. And then lastly, again, if you have it, I would really showcase like industry experience. So like, you know, if you're coming in to try and, you should, for example, you want to be a product manager in e-commerce space and you've done like retail, CVG uh, projects, I would showcase that because that might be helpful for, especially if it's helpful for the, the product group or a feature that you're, you would met, eventually manage. So that would be like my core set of things. And then I think the other thing I would do is if you have the time, it's never hurts to start a side project. What I mean by that is like actually build something and I, you know, build something with a team if you can, I think that will be more valuable. So like, for example, like if you have like, you know, maybe you want to get coffee with your, um, you know, your software, your, you know, a friend who's a software engineer, friend who's like, you know, a designer. You know, get coffee with them and, and start thinking about, uh, you know, pitch them some ideas and start building something. I think that would be really helpful because from there, you can you can take that and, and immediately start to answer these, like, what I think are, are typically tougher questions in, during product management interviews, like, oh, tell me about a time you work with a designer or tell me about the situation where something happened with, uh, you know, your engineering manager, right? If you don't have product manager experience is very difficult to answer those questions. Ideally would try to find time to start a side project with people if possible. But if you don't, if you can't fight it with people, then, you know, make doing yourself using like no code, low code technologies out there. And that, that will immensely help you, um, if you're able to do that. But if you're not, then, you know, try to just look at the experience you have and frame the story in a genuine way that like accurately reflects your, your skills, but frame it in a way that makes me as like a product manager, hiring manager, right? Like look at it and be like, you know what? They don't have like preview experience, but I trust this person can lead this product and help it thrive because you're not just looking for someone to like manage it. You're really making, want to make, make the product like thrive, accelerate. So I need to be able to see that long winded answer, but <laughs> that's sort of my thoughts on that. No, it was super thorough. And I think anyone that is looking to break into product management now has a really, really good framework of where to start and what to do to give them the best chances of doing it as smoothly as possible. Um, one of the things you did touch on was a bit of what you do as a senior product manager, talking about, you know, long-term planning or long-term vision for the product. Uh, and I, I wanted you, if I wanted you to just go ahead and explain what you know, your role as a senior product manager is and what those responsibilities entail. Oh yeah, definitely. So I think there are a couple of, I'll lay out a couple of things. Um, so I think number one, like I mentioned earlier is setting the product vision and strategy for a senior product manager specifically, like that's something that you will play a very pronounced role in, if not lead yourself. 
I think it's different at every company. You know, the way we do it here at Adobe and, and the team I'm on is not necessarily the same thing as, um, you know, other, other companies and teams. So that's true for everything I'm, I'm going to say. But um, that's like kind of like how it's been for me. So I think that's number one. And that's where really, if, like, you know, I look back at my corporate strategy experience and then it's all experience. And I'm very thankful for those because it has added so, it's like, you know, they have helped me get to a point where this responsibility is not only like less stressful because I've just done it a lot, but fun, like extremely excited, right? Because now like the, the base, you know, skill and learnings uh, of, of doing such exercises are gone. The stress of that is gone. It's just now like you just focus on, hey, what, what do I actually want to do? And, and, and communicating that is, is relatively easy. So I think it's like number one, right? Um, setting a product vision and strategy. The second thing is, I would say like gathering and prioritizing, specifically like product requirements for the features they're going to build. But then in order to do that, you need to understand like, what, well, what features are you going to build? And that is again, why you need a really strong product vision and strategy, because that stuff will define your product roadmap. So your product roadmap will essentially be like a list of things you want to build in a given time frame. And then for each of those list of things that you want to build in a time frame, you would have had conversations with all of your different partners, whether it be, of course, your customers or users, you know, sales and marketing, or like trust and safety in my case, like any, any other team, right? You really need to have those conversations to understand needs, limitations, you know, and, and sorry, I would add on to that, like your design and engineering team, your core team, basically that's, that goes about saying honestly, but like, you really need to like, you know, collaborate with all these teams to understand and prioritize requirements so that you can then define a roadmap that aligns with your strategy uh, for your product, your vision for your product. And then, um, so I would say those, those three things right off the bat, right? Product vision and strategy, gathering and prioritizing product requirements, and then defining a product roadmap. And mind you, while you're doing all this, you also have to think about the company's objectives, you know, like we call them OPRs, objectives and key results, right? Like, is all what I'm doing, if I was in an elevator with the CEO and they asked me what I was doing and I said all these things, would they be happy about what I said? <laughs> so you have to always, you know, constantly be thinking about that as well. So beyond that, there are other things that, you know, you'll do managing like the product development process, right? So working with your, your partners in engineering design to ensure like whatever you're building is de developed on time, developed at quality, all within constraints you have, whether it be technology, whether it be budget, whether it be scope, like all that kind of stuff, you have to make sure you have to manage that. And so that's another role I have. Sixth one is uh, sort of working to drive product launches. So when you launch a product, there's a lot that goes into around creating and executing like sort of good market plans. Um, if you have them like working with like your, you know, PMM partners or sales and marketing teams to ensure that the way you launch your product is done. So such in a way communicated in such a way that is a very effective to your customers. That, that is like another thing that, um, you know, will play a role in. Then there's a piece around measuring, analyzing performance of your product, right? So like while you're doing all this, you also need to make sure like you are keeping tabs on, you know, is my, you know, is my, uh, is my ship sinking? 
right? Or is it is it floating? Is it what, what's happening? So you need to look at the numbers to tell you part of that picture. And so, you know, looking at things like, you know, whatever your, your key metrics, and by the way, you often will have to define what you measure and what you analyze, right? Especially if you're building a new feature or starting a new product area, that's also your responsibility. And you obviously have like data partners and, and you know, data scientists, partners, engineering partners to help you, but you're, you're also responsible for like sort of making some of those decisions. But you do this because you want to, you know, one, identify areas for improvement or areas that may want to make adjustments to the product feature set or even your strategy in some cases. Two, you want to identify if like the things you're building are actually, you know, making things better for the business and for, for your users. And, and, and just, you know, ensure that you are building stuff that has like some sort of ROI. So, uh, and then three, you're, you're also doing it just to make sure that nothing's going wrong, right? If you're, you're just, you know, generally tracking day to day and making sure the product is in, um, failing in some way. And you can tell that by looking at numbers as well. So I would say that's, that's a good one. And then, um, you know, I would say like, you know, managing, um, the product's budget and resources. So, you know, like sort of like when you think about resources, right, there's like, there's the people resources. So like you have, um, you know, typically if you're a product manager, you may be lucky enough to have dedicated engineering and design resources may have like a hub and spoke model where you usually have to pitch your features to a centralized uh, team of designers and engineers, depending on what it is, you are kind of responsible for, you know, prioritizing where your resources what your resources work on. So in my case, you know, we'll have like a roadmap and we'll, we'll sequence that roadmap. And then I'll ultimately have to just, you know, work with my partners to decide like, you know, where do we want to put most of our focus on this year? Um, and like to what, so, and that'll determine like to what degree the scope of these features we're building will become. And so, um, that's one. And then also like just ensuring like, uh, your budget is just staying like line with what you've been given and um if you're having a revenue generating profit then uh sorry revenue generating product then ensuring that's like profitable and you have a line of sight into profitability if not uh, it, especially if you're in like a, a, a big tech company if you're a startup it's probably you know your metrics might might probably be different but that's generally like some of the responsibilities you know in my experience i've seen for a senior product manager or you know experience directly today but again, you know, this may be slightly different or completely different depending on like the company you're at, the team you're on, because one of the things to realize is like these titles aren't necessarily super standardized across the engineering industry. So, you know, to anyone like applying, I would really not only read the, the responsibilities or we call them the R&Rs in your, in, your, um, in like sort of the job descriptions, but I'll also ask a lot of good questions about the scope to, to make sure you know, it's aligned with what you think it is. Yeah. So let's, let's maybe double click on a few of them. Maybe the, the first three that you said in your core to And So I'm um, starting with the vision and strategy. I'm curious how you go about setting the vision and strategy for the product. Um, how the vision of the company is intertwined uh, within your vision and strategy for the specific product. Yeah, sure. I look at a couple of things. So I think number one, it, so my framework is essentially this, it's essentially like company objectives, if they are, you know, if you have them, um, during your planning cycle, definitely company objectives, um, and, and strategy. 
The second thing is what my users want and, you know, sort of understanding, you know, when we think about our company's target market, uh, and then we think about a user in that target market that they fit well that product, what are their needs and pain points? So that's the second big thing I think about. So that's the big thing I think about is sort of like macro trends in the industry that I'm in or, or tangential industries and sort of what's going on there. And, uh, so we're sort of like thinking about the market landscape. So it could be trends, it could be competitors and what they're doing. So I'll think a lot about that. And I mean, there's, there's other like things I'll, I'll actually uh, think about, but the, at the core, like those three things sort of inform like my goals, my strategy and, and like the, the high level features I I'm, I'm thinking to, to tackle or products I'm thinking to tackle in the next X amount of years, whatever, like the, the planning duration is, uh, is looking ahead at. So like I'll start with the first one. So like with company goals slash OKRs, you know, I'll, I'll try to look at qualitatively what we're trying to do. I'll look at quantitatively what we're trying to do, right? What are the key top line metrics we're trying to hit? What are like the goals we're trying to hit? And then like, I'll also look at like performance and trends. So like, how have we been doing, um, who, you know, who's in the, who in the market's out to get us, or is like, you know, rising star and why, where are we lagging in terms of metrics and, and why, right? Always asking like a couple layers deep, like why, why, and I'll work with partners to kind of help me get this understanding. So it's not like in consulting where you're like in a, in some sort of like, you know, tower, just, just doing all this yourself. Right. Well, you know, it, it's really collaborative. And that's another thing I want to stress, like everything you do in the PM world is like super collaborative. Now, and so like I'll collaboratively work with folks to like get some, gather some of this, this Intel to get a really clear picture. And then the, the second thing I'll do is if we don't have user research studies with the information already, we will really do deep dives with the users on their needs and pain points. So we'll, we will like, whether it's through like, you know, actual interviews with users or like surveys or different forms, like maybe you have like a community where you can reach out to your users. Like you essentially want to understand the, the latest and greatest of their needs and points, like get more understanding about how they're currently using the product. Because ultimately that's who you're, who you're building for and um, whatever you build has to like, align with what they need. So that's just, that's the second thing we will do and we'll do a bunch of analysis there. And the third thing is like looking at macro trends, right? Like what has been, uh, for example, like looking at competitors and looking at their performance, if we can look at that, um, looking at what they've been investing in recently, what you think they might invest in, looking at generally what the market has been trending towards in terms of like technologies or products and for which customers they're targeting and looking at market sizes of, of different customer segments and the art, looking at companies market share and all that and just trying to like put, put together a picture of where where the where the like where the sales are taking the larger ship and whether or not you need to follow it or you need to find a different path you know to let's say treasure island right I'll look at that. So these three things like generally will help me give a good direction of like, okay, we need the, we need then to help me form my goals, right? It helps me say, okay, we need to target this customer and we specifically we're this customer who has this, these set of pain points. This is sort of like how we might approach solving those. And if we solve those, then it's going to move, make the experience better for the customer, which leads to like this you know, metric being moved or like this success being achieved which then leads to us ultimately like moving 
um, in some form or fashion, our, our company's, you know, key goal. And, and it also, all of this will align with our vision and our own product vision. So it's like this intricate web of things, but the, essentially this process will help me create that web of, of understanding. And it, it, it's, it's not a short process. You know, you can take time to really bring everyone along with you the journey, whether it be my bosses, my partners, their bosses, right? So because at the end of the day, you have to, you know, that's another thing where it's all about alignment in like, because if your partners are going to get resources to tackle or this new strategy and your bosses are going to be in alignment with that, you have to make sure you do all of this diligence as you, as you're proposing events to them and make sure you are, um, you know, you align, align with your team on that. Well, about how long on average would you say this process takes? It really depends on the company, but I would say like anywhere from two months to a whole quarter, a little bit more. It depends on like how big and wide your space is, what, like how many products, product lines are under you. It depends. It's like, yeah, if you're trying to craft a strategy set of products, that might take much longer, right? Because it's a bit, it's a mud one. It's a much larger investment, so the cost of the state is higher. So like you you do extra diligence on that. So and then just it's just more complex, right? The more products you add in something, it's, it's more complex web to to craft. So you know one of the things I, I would always think coming in here is like, um, and we can talk about this a little further, but uh, you know when I was in you're in consulting, you're you're trained to like do stuff like this really rapidly. Right, like if you're, especially if you're doing something like a assessment or due diligence, you come up with a POV rapidly to help inform my recommendations for the client. And with with product management, you could still do that, but there is it's really a collaborative effort. So you can't just you know kind of do some intellectual work an hour say okay this is it, right? So you know there's a lot of like collaborative workshopping and all that evolved to get there and that 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 takes time but it's like sort of a more beautiful output i would say can you take the time to do it because it's really key when you're like managing a product with a lot of people touching it it's really really key that people are all bought into the strategy the vision they're all super excited about where you're going and you don't quite do that when you kind of take the approach like you're intellectually creating the strategy on your own and one of the things you talked about was uh, customer feedback or understanding their needs and pain points. Because I, I wanted to then, you know, double click on gathering, prioritizing the product features or product roadmap. But before we did that, I did just want to understand how you go about gathering this data from your customers um, and determining what their pain and need, uh, their their pain points and needs are. So I think there there are tons of ways to do that. Um, I mean, Twitter. Um, if customers are still using the Twitter or any social media, right, is a good avenue um, to, you know, sometimes naturally there's feedback comes to you. Many companies have their own um, feedback communities, whether they're on Discord or some other platform where customers will actively post feedback or feature requests or report bugs. User user testing is a, is a website where, you know, you can find um, your sort of recruit users for, for interviews and studies. So there, there are a myriad of ways for you to like kind of reach out to your customers. Like, you know, there are surveys as well. You can run on your platform or wherever. Typically that's how we can source, source the customers to talk to you. 
But then there's like a whole process that I'm definitely not super expert at, but I definitely, you know, I work, I will work with our user research partners to craft like studies and things we can, you know, studies we can run with users to sort of get their, get their unbiased opinion about our product and help us like understand where we should be taking it. Right. So that's, that's something we'll do. The way I think about it is like every product, users will use it a different way, right? You have like, you, you have this ideal, like, here's step one, what the user, like, new user should do. Here's what step two they should do. It's like a customer, we call it like a customer or user journey, right? And the way I think about it, I'll sort of start with like a happy user journey, right? And like, okay, this is like really the ideal experience for this sort of customer on, on, on my product. And I'll map up all the, map out all the steps. I'll map out all their emotions during this, the, the steps or the emotions, at least I want to validate. And then their needs and pain points through each steps. And from there, you know, I might take that and try to validate it, if not already through research. That's typically what I'm trying to get an understanding because it's through that user journey, then you can start getting into the details around like, okay, this is how we might approach this then, right? Because like, if you just start, if you keep it too high level, you know, okay, this is my user, this is generally their high level problem. That doesn't really help you get to the detailed level of feature ideation that you need to build a solid product. So that's sort of what I'm thinking about. And then there's a whole concept of prioritization, just like, you know, prioritization can be, there's different ways to prioritize stuff. But if you look at common frameworks, like, like rice, uh, I think it's like, you know, there's like Moscow, there's, there's all these methods you kind of Google and figure out, but generally they boil down to like, you know, what's the impact you're driving to business or your, your products metrics, you know, to the customer, like all three of those things, maybe. Um, what's the reach? Like, you know, how many people for this kind of uh, will see and use this thing potentially? How confident are you that this will work out? And that could be like, oh, this is backed by data analysis and rigorous user research. That's a high confidence. And how how much investment and resources were taken in terms of effort? So I, that, what I just said is essentially the Rice framework. And really the like, you know, kind of like the impact piece, the confidence piece, is like sort of driven by like the research and, and the feedback you get from your customer. And so you know, that's typically how I high level will look at prioritizing, giving this information. And you can use that at any level, whether it be like at the roadmap level, at the feature level, right? To determine like what the priority is. Gotcha. And so RICE stands for reach, impact, confidence. And what was the E? Effort. Effort. And that could mean like engineering effort, design effort. If you're managing, like, let's say, a Twitter, it could be like moderation effort with the new feature, right? And that is, you know, as you as you do your prioritization, that's like an input you need to work with your partners on. So again, yeah, it goes back to a lot of heavy elaboration that you you do as a as a rep, as a campus. Now, let's say we take all of these and we put them in the product roadmap. Um, what are your typical product roadmap cycles. Can you, can you generally just explain, um, the concept, concept of a product roadmap, um, and double click on this part? Yeah. So essentially like, I mean, a product roadmap is like a tool you can use to like communicate your launch plan for your, for your, for the year of all your products. Right. So it all in one place. And so like, you know, typically we, you can, you show some dimension of time. Right. Uh, and then you show some dimension of work stream, 
and you can group that in different ways. Like you categorize things like, oh, this is a new product. This is a enhancements to existing product, like whatever way you want, but that's generally what it is. Um, and then if you get an even better if is like, if you can add another dimension, which links all that back to your like object goals for your product or even your companies or your org. But, uh, you know, it's really a way for you, like a very succinct way for you to communicate to different stakeholders on the plan for the year. And so, you know, what we'll typically do is like, once we have like the things we want, we know what to do to drive like our vision and strategy, you know, we'll start doing a lot of like feasibility exploratory analysis on if we at this point have defined like we know what features we want to build we will now tackle and be like okay for feature a this is roughly how it's going to work and why it's roughly how it's going to look and feel this is roughly like engineering specs that we'll, we'll need to check and see how long that takes we'll do like some of that legwork to figure out okay like this you know, based on all of these factors this might take us two quarters. This might take us one quarter, right? We'll sort of figure that out and take that input and put it on the product roadmap to communicate to, to leadership or partners or whatever. Hey, this is what things are going to look like this year. You know, so that when someone's asking you, like, oh, when is this going to happen again? You have like the roadmap to point that to you. Or what are you sort of prioritizing working on this year? What are, you know, how long is that going to take? Like, you can answer a lot of these questions here or like, oh yeah, that's going to take like two quarters. Like what goal does that lead up to again? It's all like, you know, long time investment. So what are we really trying to achieve? You can answer that question. That's kind of the way I think about it. It's really just a tool to, to communicate what you're going to. What are some of the tools that you use to push this forward, this process or all of the processes in that case? You know, some of the common ones that, you know, if you're looking to be a PM, you might want to at least read up on are things like Jira is like a is like the primary tool we use to communicate work activities and tasks to like any different type of function or partnership. For example, like that's the primary thing tool I use to create engineering development tickets. Right? If it's not on Jira, it ain't happening. <laughs> right? So it's like that's kind of how we how we think about it, right? Like if you want any feature to be built, you better have a Jira ticket. Um, and so that is like a, a, a key tool to like know, loves, uh, for better or for worse. Like you, you've got to get familiar with that tool. You know, you'll have like, maybe you'll have people to help you, like partner teams to help you um, throughout the, the, the scrum process to help you like clean that up and make sure it's tidy and, and as you provide your input and all that. But that's that's an essential tool. I think another essential tool that, you know, as, as a, I think management consultants will, will like is to hear is like, you know, always say anything like a presentation suite, like PowerPoint, Keynote, Google Slides. I mean, I, I use that a lot to, to sort of communicate whether it's pitching a, a feature or pitching my roadmap and strategy. I won't, you know, that's a core tool, uh, but it really depends on the company, right? Like if you're, let's say at on Netflix or TikTok or Amazon, they take the memo approach. So you're not building slides, you're, you're writing essays, right? Um, and that might be through like you know, any sort of document software, whether it's Google Docs or you know, 
or, or large computers. I think that's what you know, sort of they were using at right dance. So um, that you know that that's another common tool um, I'll use. I think what's also really important is that any sort of it's, I think it's really important to have your own tool to help you prioritize tasks. Like maybe I don't use Jira to do that for myself, but I'll use something like a Todoist or a Notion for just myself and really organize my my work and thoughts and also help prioritize them. Like really focusing on like okay, what is the stuff? What are the three things I need to focus on today that are going to drive you know multipliers of impact? Or whatever I'm doing. And then what are like sort of like the maintenance things that I need to do? And just structuring my day, having that, you know, obviously any sort of calendar tool is super important, like to to put like time to your day. Those are some of the key things that I, I can think about. And then uh, now maybe just have one more, like like having a strong, like centralized area for you to store information, whether it be chronic requirements, comms, think, you know, memos is also important because then you can point it and it's a really efficient way to say, oh, you're looking for this, go here. Oh, hey, the, you know, the, the PRD is ready or, you know, the memo on like, you know, our strategy is ready. You know, it's all reading and provide feedback and collaborate there. So that's, that's also an important tool I'll, I'll leverage a lot because like key documentation and organization is not just good for the team, but it's good for yourself because you're, it's helped, it helps you clear your thinking as you, as you organize all of that. And. How would you allocate your time on a weekly basis, whether that be working with engineering or designers or, um, you know, writing internal PR, greening presentations? Now, I want to get a sense of how you allocate your time. It's a great question. And I will preface that I haven't, I haven't figured this out, but I have something that works right now, but always look, make it better. But generally what I do is I try to keep my calendar separated into days for like meetings and collaboration and then days for thinking. So, you know, for me, like if it's, you know, five day week, I'll try to do maybe three days of like collaboration and meetings, right? Meeting heavy days basically. And at least try to shoot for like two days where I have like at least a three hour block to deep, you know, do some deep thinking on my own. All right. And so like for the meeting days, you know, these are, these can be weekly updates, um, on what everyone is, you know, the progress that's being made on features. These can be like, you know, like monthly reviews, you know, we'll have a leadership or these can be like stakeholder reviews. These can write alignment sessions or workshops, um, you know, you know, like sync ups with like the core team, individual sync ups, um, you know, just generally like your, your bucket of meetings uh depend and it those will really depend on what you're trying to accomplish but generally i'll try to like do that and then uh if any extra time obviously in those three three weeks i'll i'll allocate to you know whatever is a priority in terms of like writing documents responding to emails all that and the, on my two days where like i strive for deep thinking that's where i really will you know get a lot of like uh you know documentation work out of the way um you know if there's any like you know element of strategic thinking or projects in the in the mix i'll definitely like kind of put my thoughts on paper um so basically a lot of writing <laughs> writing or you know uh well slacking offline with people right um here come to use slack it's a great tool for all that uh and just like just trying to make make progress on on 
um, items where that are, are really tough problems that we need to think more clearly about. Um, so I'll do I'll I'll dedicate two days to that. Um, but yeah, that's generally how I split up my time. Um, but I would say like probably the vast majority of my time is really me like talking and thinking with people with people versus like me like just writing documents and doing sort of like that uh like the desk work if you if you if you will yeah. the pm job is is really that's that's why like when i mentioned earlier some of the key skills like leadership and management um strong communication and interpersonal skills those are super important and because like a lot of your time revolves around those skills on the interview, I don't want to get too into the weeds on this episode regarding the interview process, but I am curious if there are any resources that you absolutely swear by or recommend to people that are um, interviewing and people that may already have the role. What was really helpful is there's a site called triexplement.com. I, I think the product is just called Explanate, but it's essentially like an online it has like online classes and tutorials where you can basically preparing for a product manager interview. I think like you, know, there are many books out there and whatnot, but I personally think that's all you need. Go to that site. I think you can pay for like a subscription. Um, I'll just do that. I think the other thing it offers that I personally haven't used, but I can find that extremely helpful is um, it gives you the opportunity to uh, do um, match up with other people who are also preparing. And do video interviews with them. So prepare for like cam case interviews and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'll go through that site. Um, and if you like can get your company to sponsor it or you have like the you know, you're willing to spend on it yourself, there's a site called Reforge, which essentially like it's it teaches you how to be a good cam. So if you're looking to crack into the PM world or you're looking to just skill, I would highly recommend Reforge as well. And they have like sort of like some foundational courses you can take. And I personally took those before I became a PM. And that actually really helped me in interviews, especially when I was asked like these more ground floor questions. Hey, how would you do this on the day to day? Like, how would you, for example, structure your product requirements doc? Just sort of a basic question now that I think about it. But um, if you have, yeah, if you really have never been a PM before, like that being seen, seen really alien to you, at least it is me. Reforge helped me like figure that out. They, you know, and also help me, you know, answer tough questions like you haven't worked with a designer. So tell me how, how would you work with one? Right. And I, I like came into that knowing from the class, like exactly how you work with them. So that really helped me. And so I would invest in that if I could, but I think those are the two things you need. I think the third thing that I really found helpful is, um, just getting more context on the company and what it's going through. So. You know, if it's a public company, you're you're in you're in luck because then you can like you know, work up research reports, look read you know listen to or read through you know the past few quarters of earnings calls, really get that rich context, and that will help you stay, like really stand out doing interviews. So that's a that's like kind of another element I would do. And if you know anyone in the company, obviously like reach out to them and try to try to get a better understanding of or what the process looks like. I mean, we were speaking a bit offline and you were just telling me how you wake up every single day, happy and excited to go to work. And I would love to hear some of the things that, you know, make you love going to work at Adobe Creative Cloud every day. Yeah. I think like first and foremost, I really, really love the space I'm working in. That can't be you know, said more, <laughs> I think. 
Like I love helping, helping like designers, creatives, um, content creators like you and just people in the world, like anyone who touches the world with creativity. I just love helping them and helping them achieve whether it's their learning goals or um, achieve like their goals they have to becoming better versions of themselves. That's what makes me want to drive forward through any challenge I have. First and foremost, customers I serve. I love the space. Second is I love what I'm building. So I think though I can't talk about it too much, like what I'm building will really help directly, well, do and help customers achieve success, which is again, the, the sort of the ultimate in, impact that I want, like the change to society I want to, to drive with the product. And so like the space, I really love the space I'm working in. Third is I think the space I'm working in comes along with a lot of great people who are really, really sharp, but really, really like have a like high EQ. Like I think they've, you know, probably out of any company I work for, I think like the people I work with now have like the sort of the highest um, EQ. Uh, I, you know, like really sharp and, and, uh, effective at work that goes without saying, but like really like we're able to understand each other on a deeper level and we're able to be real with each other and have really constructive like debates. And we're all super passionate about, um, helping creatives. And so it's like, it's like this really beautiful, like orchestra of like people who are super passionate what we're doing and so I, I that like we've we basically like it's like a positive feedback we brought just energy um and that also plays a lot into it i think also like this being at adobe in general is has been really awesome like the company i think you know i think it definitely had like from the outside it definitely had a brand of treating its employees in the world but i can say like after being there for a year um it's like it's like even better than that it's like absolutely true wow so I think just being in a, in a company that really like has empathy towards employees and cares about them has also really um, helped again, come get up every morning and just be super um, excited to start the day and take on whatever challenge. So yeah, I, you know, I think these things are all hard to find in one place. So I'm super blessed to kind of be in the position that I am. If you, the way you were talking about it made me want to look into Adobe and I, I'm, I'm really happy for you and not only myself, but others that are listening to this podcast, um, and walking onto the platform will find themselves. I really, really appreciate you talking today and your thoroughness. And yeah, I learned a lot of things today that I, uh, that the internet and speaking with others did not unveil. So I really appreciated it. Yeah, no problem. And uh, happy, to, happy to you have shared my thoughts and thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Career Illustrated. If you want to access the episodes in a more organized manner or want to have input into future subjects and guests, head over to careerillustrated.co and join the newsletter. Thanks again for sharing your time.